We have been looking through January at a series on just connecting deeply with God and there's a couple of images in scripture that speak to this really beautifully and Kev kicked us off that first weekend of January with the image of the the potter and the clay that idea that God is molding and shaping us into the people he wants us to be for his purposes which is a really cruel image. And then Brad spoke to us the next week around that image of the shepherd and the sheep. And I really resonate with that because sheep left to their own devices just go astray. Um, And you need the shepherd there with the staff and the crook and just gently guiding, um, nudging, you know, calling. Uh, And I I think as as sheep, I think we resonate with that. Uh, And last week, Kev spoke to us about the idea or the picture of um, God as Father and us as his children and and that sort of image. And so today, uh, because this is the last one in this series before we have our focus launch next week for 2020, um, I want to look at an image from Scripture that I believe is a key for three things. A key for our prayer life, a key for the way we evangelise or show what God is like to others, and a key for our own personal formation into the character and nature of Jesus Christ. Now, this passage, it will be familiar to a lot of you, I'm imagining, and it comes out of John's Gospel. And John's Gospel, just as a snapshot, 21 chapters, the first 12 are about the ministry of Jesus, about three years' worth of stuff. The next, from chapter 13 through to chapter 20, is about the last week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem. And in those chapters, particularly 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, we see this beautiful picture in chapter 13 of Jesus taking the time to go, you know what, I'm not going to be with you guys much longer, the disciples. Let me model for you the way you need to be. And he washed the disciples' feet. It's a beautiful picture. And then in chapter 14, we see that he comforts them about his impending departure and crucifixion and he talks to them about I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit I'm going to send this this helper this um, the the Greek word that's used the best translation in English for that is the alongsider the one who comes alongside and Jesus talks to them about that and then in chapter 15 he has this analogy of the vine and the branches in chapter 16 he talks more about the role of the Holy Spirit and in chapter 17 there's three beautiful prayers One, Jesus prays for himself, one for his disciples, and one for all future believers, which is us. But it's the passage on the vine and the branches I just want to spend a few moments on today. Probably quite familiar to you. But there's three keys in this that I think we can pull out. So, that isn't the one I meant to go to. Sorry. Thanks, Karen, if you can help me out a bit. There we go. This is John chapter 15 from verse 1. Jesus speaking to his disciples, speaking in a way, using an agricultural expression that they would just get, they would understand it. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, Because of the word I've spoken to you, so remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. I love that image. God as gardener, God as the one who's watching over, noticing what's going on, knows what's best, knows what needs to happen, intervenes where necessary. It really is a beautiful picture. But I think the first answer we get in this part of the scripture is that our formation into Christ-likeness, which is what the Christian life is about. Think about it. Jesus walking around the earth. Well, he didn't walk around the earth. He walked around Palestine. Jesus walking on the earth was able to do a whole bunch of things for a small group of people. He was able to show people what God is truly like, how to have relationship with God, and how to have relationship with others because of that relationship with God. He modelled that. But he physically couldn't stay. And, well, maybe he could have. Maybe he could never have died. But he was geographically isolated. So there's this great plan. I'm going to go back to heaven to be with the Father and I'm going to send you my spirit and the spirit will live in you and the thing that I've been doing, Jesus says, you will be able to do because of my spirit in you. And what is Jesus all about? Jesus is all about redeeming all of creation back to himself. It's the story of the Bible. We see God with a perfect creation where humans were the pinnacle and he related to us beautifully because we were made in his image. It went wrong and at the end of the story we see this beautiful picture in Revelation where Jesus, God himself, is in the earth. It's been redeemed. It's been renewed. It's got rid of all the corruption and the sin and the death and decay and we live in that beautiful intimate relationship with God again. That's how it started. That was the idea. It went wrong. We're in the middle of that story, but it's going to a place where it's all going to be redeemed. The work of Jesus in the world was to show what the redemption of humanity and creation could look like. We call it the kingdom of God. And so the spirit in us as believers, we are part of that redemptive work. It's God working in us and through us to bring creation, to bring people, to bring alignment back into what it means to be in relationship with God. It's a beautiful picture. And so Jesus, to explain this, is using this image of vine and branches. And I love how he uses simple stuff that anyone in the day could get. You didn't have to be educated to understand what this was saying. We don't have to be theologically educated with degrees to understand what Jesus is saying. Now there is a depth to some of that which, which really adds to understanding. But we anyway. So here we go. Bearing fruit. Fruit is really interested. Uh, in, interested. It's really interesting. Um, look how many times. Bears no fruit, bears fruit, even more fruitful, bearing fruit and bearing fruit. So there's this picture that we understand what something is in the natural because of the fruit that is produced. I would hazard a guess that no one in this room has ever looked at a tree that has a bunch of oranges hanging off it and thought, that's an apple tree. You just don't do it. The fruit that is evident indicates to us what type of tree it is. We understand that completely in the natural. 
And so when we're using this analogy, Jesus is saying there is some fruit that is produced in the life of a disciple that points people to the tree or the vine that it's connected to, which is God himself. In other words, there is some fruit that will be evident in your life that points people to God. That's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit being in us, so that his work and his presence in our life points people to God. The purpose of the Christian life, unfortunately, is not believe the right thing, say the prayer, you got your ticket to heaven. And you don't do anything with anything. You just live life like everybody else is living life, where it's all about me. That's not the, the picture we get in Scripture. So we've got this thing that the, the fruit identifies that to which it belongs and that to which it truly is. That's what the fruit does. Now, we can get caught up in thinking, okay, so the, a Christian, what's a Christian like? Well, a Christian doesn't swear and a Christian doesn't smoke and a Christian doesn't drink and a Christian doesn't dance. And, you know, that was some of the views a while ago. Uh, a, a Christian isn't mean and a Christian doesn't murder. And, and so we think that if we spend our life just trying to bear some of this fruit, here's the fruit of not murdering and here's the fruit of not lying and here's the fruit. And we think if we can just bear some of that fruit, we're going to be doing okay. And we spend our life focused sometimes on trying to bear the right fruit. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because what Jesus is saying in this is, no, 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 the fruit will come. Your focus is on staying connected to the vine. Stay connected to the tree. Stay connected to the source. Because without that, you can't do anything. So I went into the garden at our school in Bensville and I got a branch. Is a branch. I don't know if you can see, but on this branch there are three small fruits. Can you see them? Yep. They are green and they are small, so we're guessing they are not ripe is the answer, yes. <laughs> they're lemons. They're lemons, but they're not ripe yet. But I can't wait for them to ripen up so I can use them. So I took the branch off the tree and I'm going to take this home. And I'm going to look after my branch. And when those lemons continue to grow and continue to ripen and continue to produce, I'm going to use them. And I'm going to continue to use them for years and years and years because I've got the branch where the fruit is growing. Now, some of you are looking at me like I'm stupid because you know that won't work. Really simply, that will not work. What's going to happen to the three fruit that are on this branch here, they will probably start to shrivel up and die because I've removed it from the tree, from the source, from the vine. Now, we understand that pretty well in the physical with something like this. Isn't it funny how I have lived a lot of my Christian life not staying connected to the vine but thinking, I'm doing great, my fruit's going to keep producing. But I won't spend any time in prayer with Jesus, I won't spend any time reading the scripture, I won't spend any time uh, just connecting with him and having that relationship. And I expect the fruit to continue to grow and continue to flourish and continue to be useful. 
It just can't happen. Jesus is saying through this passage, the thing that is most important, stay connected to the vine. Don't worry about the behaviours and the things that will, you think are important because you've got the label Christian. That will sort itself out when you stay connected to the vine. And so he uses this word throughout this passage, remain. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. It's useful for nothing other than just being burned up. Remain. Another translation will use the word abide. Remain or abide. Remain in me. Abide in me. And so Jesus is saying it's, it's this relationship, this intimate relationship with me that is the most important thing. How important is it? I remember when Tanya and I were dating, I gave up some things I really enjoyed just so I could spend time with her. Wow, fancy doing that. Like all of a sudden there was an option. I could do what I was normally doing, maybe with my mates or maybe playing sport or maybe travelling somewhere. But then there was an option, I get to spend time with Tanya. I'm going to do that. I want this relationship to deepen and that only happens when I spend time with her. What would we be willing to give up to stay connected to the vine? How are we spending the time that's been given to us? Yep. I believe that my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life and I'll demonstrate that by watching 20 hours of TV a week and maybe reading the Bible for five minutes a day. I just look and I go, ouch, really? Oh, but I deserve to be entertained. I deserve some downtime. I deserve some me time because I've worked hard this week. All right. Jesus saying, you stay connected to the vine. That's the most essential thing. I've been really convicted as I've been looking at this. And to abide in him and to remain in him, what, what does that even look like? Well, he goes on to talk about, um, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. Here's an answer to prayer life. It just so happens, because he mentions this again further in the passage, it just so happens that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we become aligned and tuned into who he is and what he's like and what he wants, that our prayer life starts to shift. And no longer am I the central part of my prayers. When my prayers are all about me and maybe some others around me, but all of a sudden my prayers start to align with the very will of God himself. And he will do whatever we ask for when it's aligned in his will. Now, we've got to be careful here. This is not like a magic genie that we rub the belly and we get the wishes and anything we ask. because we, Well, it's, it's God's will that everyone's healthy, so I'll just, I'll just pray for you know, Nan and Pop to never pass away because, you know... Uh, Let's think about this. Um, 
the will of God, first and foremost in anything, is to be in relationship with us. All the stuff that happens to us as human beings will continue to happen to us. We will go through broken relationships possibly, illness possibly, some devastating things possibly. We'll go through a bunch of hardships in life because that is what happens in human life. But the difference being when we're connected to Jesus, we not only walk through those things with him, he's with us in that, but he enables us to live in such a way that, that people start to look and see God and go, how can you persevere through what you're going through? How can you have joy in the midst of this season that's happening for you? How can you still have hope? How can you still forgive? How can you still love when this stuff is happening to you or around you? And the answer is, it's because I'm connected to the vine. And out of those things, people start to see what God is like. It's a beautiful picture. So as we go through here, this is to my Father's glory. If we remain in him, then God gets glorified. And it shows that we are his disciples. So this is that key to our evangelism. The best way to show people or to tell people what God is like is to live a life with God. It's not rocket science. So here's God saying, I want to be in relationship with you and I'll give you my very self. I'll give you my spirit to live in you and to shape you and to mould you and to, and to show you what it means to, to depend on me and have faith in me and to love me. And in that space, people will notice that and go, that's a good God. I want what you've got. How does that happen? There's something beautiful that when we live in him and remain in him and abide in him, we will show ourselves to be his disciples. Now, if we truly believe God is a good, loving God and he wants what's best for us, then we've got to trust that what he's calling us to do is the best thing for us in terms of how we live human life, to, to flourish as, as a human being. Now, remember, again, this does not mean all our problems go away. We can flourish in the midst of problems around us. And so as he goes on, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commands. What are some of the commands of Jesus? Now command is a bit of a harsh word. I want to suggest that every command of Jesus is in fact an invitation. It's an invitation into living a kind of life that works. So when Jesus says, forgive others, if we're going to obey that command, if we're going to remain in him, then I would suggest that what that means is try forgiving others and see how it works for you. When Jesus says, do not worry, I would suggest if we're abiding in him, remaining in him, if we're obeying his commands, then we would have situations where we go, I'm going to choose not to worry and see how that goes. Now, I don't want to sound flippant. It's not as easy as just, I'm going to choose not to worry. We need the Spirit's help with us. We need thought patterns to change. We need behaviours to change. We may even need people around us to change who can encourage and speak life into us. But there's something beautiful about just simply obeying 
what he says because I trust that what he says is the best way to live life. So when he says, do not look lustfully, when he says, do not get angry, when he says all these things that we find throughout Scripture, it would be me remaining in his love by obeying those commands by going, I'm going to try to live that way. Now, I don't try to live that way in my own strength, trying to produce that fruit on my own. It happens because I'm just connected to the vine. And I just keep coming back to Jesus. And I invite him into every situation of every moment, as often as I can remember to do it. And just like working any muscle, the more you exercise it, the bigger and stronger it gets. The more we invite Jesus into everything that we're doing. Every conversation, every interaction, every meeting, every parenting act, every time with our spouse. We invite Jesus to be part of that. And we get this picture of of just remaining in his love because we're living life the way he's asked us to live life. It's a great, it's really smart actually. Then he continues on, so here's my command, love each other. Greater love is no one than this, than lay down his life for one's friends. And you're my friend if you do what I command. Greatest command, love one another. It's really hard to look lustfully at someone when our core position is, I have love for you, a godly love for you. It's really hard to be angry at someone when our core position is, I just want to love you as a person. And that love meaning I want what's best for you. I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about I just have this heart towards you that says, I want what is best for you. And me being angry at you or me putting you down or me ridiculing you, that's not what's best for you. So I'm not going to do that. Love one another. And how do we do that? We don't try really hard to squeeze out these fruits called love. We just stay connected to the vine. We stay connected. And we stay connected. And we hang out with Jesus. And we learn his character and his nature and his rhythms of life. And then we start to just walk in that. Then he finishes with, You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Remember, why, why are we bearing fruit in the first place? We're bearing fruit in the first place because part of this story that we see through Scripture is Jesus through his spirit, is redeeming creation back to himself and he invites us into that. So this is why we want to bear fruit, so that others will know what God is like. And then we can ask whatever in, in my name, he says, and the Father will give it to you. And this is my command, love each other. So as we wrap up January, I just want to remind us that Connecting with God personally, corporately, as a family is actually what the Christian life is about. It's not about I believe some things and one day I might get to go to this place called heaven when I die. That's not even in scripture. We're talking about the earth as we know it being redeemed and recreated and and living in a physical body, in a physical world with God fully present. 
just like it was in the beginning. That's the picture we see. And, and so we can have these images of a potter and a clay. We can have images of shepherd and sheep. We can have image of father and child. All those are beautiful and speak to us at different times, different seasons. But the one thing that I'd really want to urge us as a people is to say, let's get hold of this image. Staying connected to the vine in such a way that every bit of goodness and the nutrients and the love and the character of Jesus flows into us in such a way that the fruit that starts to get produced on our branch is fruit that shows people what God's like and points people to God. It really is a beautiful picture that we can step into in a fresh way in 2020. Let me pray for us. So Father God, I thank you that you choose to do life with us, that you have arranged for a life with us to look in a way that just blows us away in terms of what you would offer us. Your very spirit, your life, your resurrection power, you offer all of that to us. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we merit it in any way, but because it's a gift from you out of your goodness. And so I just pray we can take that gift, we can have this image of staying connected to you as the vine in a fresh way this year. Grow in us a desire to connect with you moment by moment, day by day. Grow in us the ability to encourage one another to connect with you in an intimate way that just starts to bear some fruit for your kingdom. And I pray you will make us aware of all the obstacles that get in the way of that and give us the courage to face some of these obstacles and deal with them in a way that leaves us standing with you, connected to you, not having these things get in the way and try to separate us. So I pray you'll give us the courage to do that this year, today, this week in a fresh way through your spirit. And we pray that together. Amen.